ate a plate of nachos as fast as I could. <laughs> and that's how the recording starts. <laughs> Love it. All right. Welcome to Beerfield, Chris Hopper, Ryan Miner, Dan Thurry here with you, like always, at Beerfield Hop, at Beerfield Thurry, at Ryan Miner underscore FFB. Um, gentlemen. Hey. Hello. We're on episode 400. Oh, yeah. Like, what? Like, that intro. was the most casual. Like, I thought you dropped that, that in the chat on, like, on purposely accident. That is um, why Hopper stood me up last week now. It all makes sense. Because you weren't here, Dan. So that's why I actually I'm going to address that. And it, it and it's not. I actually forgot it was episode 400 until I went to do it this morning. But yes, <laughs> milestone episode number 400 for us. Um, we started this back with the 2017 draft class. So um, several years of doing this. Ooh, that might be a problem. Yeah. Oh, what would you do? I No, I didn't do anything. I heard myself echoing back from, from Ryan. Uh-oh. That might be a problem. It's anyway. my fault. My yeah. earbuds are dead. I forgot to charge them. We'll roll with it and see how it goes. Um. Anyway, about last week. First off, let me turn the video on. How about how about I do that first? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right. First off, about last week. So yes, there was no episode last week. Uh, we are going to go. Dan was not going to be here but ryan and i were going to go um and we've talked about stress levels and burnout a lot on this show and as we're getting sitting there you know a couple hours before showtime i had just gotten hit with well you got to work tonight it wasn't something i could not have done while also recording but you know having just been gone for four or five days it's like this pile of crap I got to do. And it's like, I got a grocery shop. I got to pay bills. I got to budget. I got to log back in for work after logging out. I got to record tonight. You know, haven't been able to really do much of the parenting thing the last few days. And, you know, wife needs a break. And it's just kind of like all hit me at once. And I'm sitting there like, okay, this is my last fucking season. Like, can't do this shit anymore. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm done. We're going to make it through this year, and then that's it. Yeah, I'm going to announce my retirement. It's going to be my farewell tour. That's what's going to happen. I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, felt like this one week out of the last 52 or so. Like, just take a week off and regroup. Yep. Yeah. We all have lives outside of this stuff, mm-hmm. so it makes total sense. So... That's what I opted to do. It's like, I know by now after doing this for this long, when that happens, it's just take a week off. And that's what I did. So um feel much, much better after doing that. I was able to, to get caught up on stuff, get done what I needed to do, and was totally fine after that. So it was just one of those things to stay in tune with yourself and know if you got to if you gotta shed something, it's okay. The millions and millions of our listeners are not going to come at me with pitchforks because we... We missed a week. It's totally fine. So, millions of listeners, you humble me. Millions and millions. 
millions and millions. But yeah, contrary to popular belief and what was reported all over the internet, um, <laughs> it was not because Dan was not going to be able to make that episode. I jumped the gun so early on that too. I was like, come join all three of us. And then Dan's like, I'm not going to be there. And I'm like, oh, cool. Yep. Dan was in Colorado. And I had already for a bachelor party. Not on Tuesday. No, that's right. We couldn't go on Wednesday because you had something. And I had, what the fuck? Well, I was playing poker Tuesday. That's right. And I had a homebrew night where we were drawing homebrew meeting, but we were drawing for brackets, which is pretty much like the big thing we're doing before the end of the year. So if I missed it, I just have to sit out on participating and doing anything for the rest of the year. So kind of important. Kind and of I'm important. just in full football season now with my son. Aw. <laughs> I know. Yeah. He, he's, he's loving it. We got our first game Friday. Or he has his first game Saturday. We don't have the first game. He does. Awesome. Yeah. He's pretty stoked. I bet. Should be a blast. Hopefully that goes well. I've got a uh, fantasy football draft weekend. So I got a home league that, you know, had been doing the travel together and have the draft day and hang out for the day and split. We decided to do an Airbnb this weekend. So. That'd be nice. I got that going on. Um, Whole leagues coming together for that one. Yeah, we got an auction draft Friday. Yeah, I've uh, I've won. It's our only auction draft, so it's a unique auction draft. So we get one Devi pick. So we do um, reverse order of standings last year, and we all pick one Devi player, and then we do uh, a keeper league with a reoccurring or a. A keeper league with a bump in salary that you can keep these players for three years. So they start off with five dollars and they go up to twenty five, up ten bucks every year, and then they go into the pool for auctioning. So I had uh, I had the one hundred one, and they got super scared. I thought I took Isaiah Spiller like like for a hot second. Like this was back before all the in depth dive because this was last August, and I had just started everything. Like I had a pretty good idea, so I was I was always between Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller, and I couldn't remember who I took. Yeah, boy, I took Brees Hall, so we're good. Oof, we're safe. That was like, oh, God. So I get Brees Hall for, you know, it's a $200 budget. So I get Brees Hall for 5 bucks. I have my last year, CD Lamb, at 25 So two starters, at least, for a fraction of my, uh, of my salary. I love auction drafts. It's like the way, the best way to drive. I actually speaking of auction drafts, as soon as my son's like son's game ends, I actually have to drive separately and drive like an hour and a half south to go to a draft from his game because his game's actually like an hour north of me right now. So it's gonna be a busy Saturday. You start pre gaming, but just enough to get you there. Oh yeah, and then you go ham ski when you get there. I can't no no because then I have to go to like to a family dinner after that. That's my, my, that's the whole point. Yeah, maybe Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't know if I have enough time. <laughs> Bed Bath, yeah. <laughs> well, do well. They go take a nap on the sheets. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Robert, he's entrenched. I was entrenched. He's entrenched in his conversations. He loves it. Um, <laughs> Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't know if. We'll... Anyway. Um, I had, I was actually looking for something. I had, uh, oh yeah, it's in our chat, Dan, my new Knicks. I had the most awesome home league draft. Uh, that was uh, last Saturday. That was, uh, if before the ages, we'll say, oh, it wasn't for the ages. I ended up all right. I um, mean, you had a, 
Well, you got the benefactor of 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 heaven. I got Christian McCaffrey at the one hundred and six. Yeah, but really, uh, yeah. Who, who, who's the first five? <laughs> Ryan, this is a home league. Um, we're just gonna start off by saying uh, right. so this is a home league. No, it's a it's a single single quarterback league, one QB league, home league, ten team. Josh Allen went one hundred and one. From a guy drafting remotely that may or may not have realized what he was doing at that point in time. Um, so Josh Allen went 101, and then I think Jefferson Chase and Cup went up in there. And I want to say that Derrick Henry was the other running back that went in that range. Yeah, it was Der- Derrick Henry. No, Derrick Henry went after. So, Gross. yeah, anyway. There was one other weird thing there, but the best part of this is I want you to listen to this start. This is, in order, the first seven rounds of this dude's draft. He was picking 109, I think. Dalvin Cook. Patrick Mahomes. The Bills defense. DK Metcalf. Devonta Smith. Justin Tucker. Aaron Rodgers. The heck? Single quarterback league. First seven picks. Was my son in your league? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's Vikings fan. They, they breed those smart. They do. Real smart. Don't you judge us. I had a good draft. I had a good draft, though. But I do want to, before we get into the beer preview and the news, talk about, you know, how that went. Um... Here's the thing. A lot of us draft with... Okay, I say a lot of us. Those of us that do things like this draft with a lot of people that know what they're doing and things are almost chalked to ADP. Those of us that play in home leagues, you may have two or three guys that really pay attention and know what's going on. You may have another one to two guys that that don't have a clue and a few more that just kind of follow ESPN rankings, casually follow, see somebody have a good game, whatever, stuff like that. That is going to cause you to have to pivot on whatever your normal strategy is. There's a zero. When I get the 106, I am not anticipating getting Christian McCaffrey. As no one should. No, no one would be. I'm not anticipating that coming down to me. I'm looking at, as I'm sitting at that point, I'm looking before we get going at either I'm getting Dalvin Cook or I'm getting Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. Those are the three guys that I think are going to come to me and what I'm going to gonna start building with and when McCaffrey falls then you know it's a total pivot on to okay you know what am I gonna do now and that changes the strategy entirely so I ended up starting off CMC and then Joe Mixon because (laughs) I missed out on those other backs and then having to pivot to you know eventually then settling into what my strategy would have normally been but just goes to show that you got to be ready to pivot. You got to, you know, this is why a few years ago we had a, this is why we mock type of thing. And this is exactly why we mock. So you can kind of see how different strategies are going to fall and how they're going to play out. And you can kind of play it of, you know, if X happens, because other people are going to be in there trying different things. And this is definitely a, if X happens, if Josh Allen goes one-on-one and the other four people are scared off by Christian McCaffrey and you end up with him at 106, that's going to change your first, you know, basically your first three to four rounds until you settle into that next 
big kind of chunk of players there. It well, gets kind of see with, with a 10 team league also. Yeah. It's kind of easier drafting a 10 team compared to a 12 team or a 14 team. It gets it you gets get real options. weird too. Yeah, you get more options in home leagues because as much as you want to like as much as you can do mock drafts, as much as you can you know, do you know, use the draft wizard on fantasy pros if you can't find enough people to mock or if you don't want to mock with the actual people. Very, very highly recommend tool. Uh use it a bunch as as uh I was getting back into fantasy football. It's just you can't truly set yourself up for some of the weirdest picks you'll see. And it almost gets to a point, at least something that I've noticed, is it's um you do kind of have to change a little bit of your strategy, just a little bit, because you can get you can get real heavy in one direction really quickly. And just because of all this, you know, presumed value that's, you know, that's dropping to you, knowing that in your mind that, yeah, I can probably do some trading or I can, you know, mix and match around. And in a lot of home leagues, they don't trade that often. People are afraid, especially if they know that you pay attention. Mm-hmm. They're afraid to trade with you. They're afraid to make it look like a fool. And this is um, it's something that I, I've dealt with for at least the beginning portion of it when people realized that I wasn't actually that good at fantasy football. It's just mostly luck. <laughs> it's that <laughs> they think because you know more that you're going to like, you know, flee some or do something dumb. And more often than not, it's we make the trades extremely fair off the bat because we just understand how that shit works. And it took people a long time to realize that just because I study this and I talk about it doesn't actually mean that I'm 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 there to try to fuck you over. Like I don't find that enjoying. Our buddy Sean probably does a little bit. Shout out Sean. But yeah, he just tried one of those on somebody, didn't he? He probably yeah, yeah some yeah. I mean, Nick and I talked about the Watson trade in our home dynasty league mm-hmm. that that happened a long time ago. I mean, it wasn't it was probably four or five months ago, I think, but Oh yeah. That was the Watson Ryan, single QB league dynasty. This is what Watson went for. Two first round picks and Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> yeah. Newer wow. guy. This Wait, team so, doesn't do a uh, lot of dynasty. Doesn't know how to value draft yeah. picks. So but, well, who, who's his, who's his other quarterback before you start? I have no, I, I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll pull it up here, but um, the team, this is a new owner to the team too. So the previous guy, he played in this league for what? How long? It was like five years, Hopper, probably four years. He was an OG, yeah. So he was an OG for five years, and then kind of goes had a some pretty big missteps last season as far as like not setting lineups. And yeah, he was not happy about not it. He responding like a, to stuff, and then he got super pissy with Dan, and that was that. Yeah, but um, yeah, never made a trade in that entire time. So as much as that, uh, it's sometimes these lopsided trades can hurt teams. Um, if you don't make trades or not at least actively trying to make your roster better. So he has Derek Carr mm. and Jared Goff. Along yeah. with Watson. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have made the trade for Watson. I would have just went out with Derek Carr and kind of just. Well, yeah. Derek Carr, Jared Goff. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, I mean, just... he had Lawrence like. Oh, yeah, Andy, yes. Andy I, like, Lawrence, I understand so wanting to make the oh, upgrade. Oh, yeah, and Lawrence. Like, like, I understand he wants to make the upgrade, and I get... Yeah, but you could have done that straight up or straight up plus, you know, a late-round pick. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> this, but, 
But this is what the pirate was. Was this what the uh, six game suspension in no, mind? No, this is even before this the six before game. any suspension. Oh, was yeah, this is well before anything had come out yet. This is before yeah, it he was. Be him. Tr- this is after the trade, but before anything else came out. Yes, if I remember right. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. So, yeah, it was. Uh, it's a very interesting. Oh, pick. speaking of trades, trade. Hopper, I sent you a trade like I think a week ago. Mm-hmm. The one mm-hmm. I declined two days ago. Or the one Did I declined you? last night. Maybe. Now I now I have to look and double check to make sure Mitch I don't Trubisky, like Mitch Trubisky for a first in super and Superflex sixteen team. Yeah, really deep league. Yeah. Yeah. No, I declined. Lot. I declined that. What? Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to. Because. Kenny Pickett might be pulling a damn Russell Wilson here. Mitch Trubisky doesn't have a lock on that job, and I'm not giving up a first for it in that league. I'm going to submit it, send it again. Have another beer. I'll decline it again. <laughs> <laughs> Where you get me is mid-season because the rest of my roster is good enough to compete when I'm just kind of hanging out there in no man's land again, right in the middle, and I try to make a move one way or another. Like I hate that. That is the worst feeling ever. Like when you're trying to make that like teeter totter move, and you know you don't know which way it's gonna go, and it goes south, and you're like, shit. Yep. Because then you just trade a draft capital, and you're still hanging out there in the middle. You didn't elevate yeah. yourself enough, and you didn't tank yourself enough. Yeah, that's pretty bad. All right, so the beer preview and get into the meat of the show. What's fueling beer fueled? All right, Ryan, we'll start with you. I have Old Nations Brewery Ooh, 70 plus. I've never plus. seen that. That's why I got it. <laughs> I try to come up in your guys' level now. The 70 plus West Coast Indian Pale Ale comes in at 6.8% and 72 IBUs, which is where I think the 70 plus comes from. Probably. It would make chance. sense, right? Good chance. Dan? I am drinking. Uh, it's been a minute. And uh, I didn't really grab anything, so I got uh, the sales brand new rotating seasonal sour blueberry crumble. Blueberry crumble. Have we had that on before or no? Uh, I don't. Maybe had it on last year. It's not. <laughs> it's not brand new to our lineup. It's just brand new to this year. It was the first of, our, of the dessert style sours. So that Dan we put on. really taking the four hundredth episode celebration. Clearly, I know. I didn't Dan. know until. <laughs> Like until I had the beer on, I do have uh, I do have some fun stuff. Four hundred episodes in, and Dan's like, I didn't know we were doing a show where we had to drink beer. Well, oh, fucking yeah. what's, what's not, beer? Not where we have to drink beer, where we normally drink beer. Sorry, we don't ever force anybody to drink beer on the show. No, no, we've had on some people who don't drink beer. Yep, and we respect them for it. So I res- by the time this is like, done, Ryan shows up respecting the four hundredth with something we've never seen before. I'm showing up respecting the 400th with something we've never seen before. Uh, scenario I'm pretty sure I've never even had on the show before. And you're bringing Distill. I got bourbon next to me. And I just put uh, I got something, I, something like, we had on recently, but at least it's a barrel. At least beer. sacrifice a Dosvidanya. If I had any. I got a couple. I uh, drank uh, most of mine. All right. So what I am drinking is um, it's from White Rooster Farmhouse Brewery down in Sparta, Illinois. It is a collaboration between White Rooster Farmhouse Brewery and the firm Homebrew Club, which 
translation, that means I help brew this beer. It's a commercial beer. They're selling it. Well, not commercial. They're selling it at, in their tap room. Um, but me and my clubmates went out and helped actually actually brew this one. So it is a, a Scot- Scotch Ale um, that it was finished in second use, I think it was sherry casks for, si- for uh, six weeks and then kegged two weeks ago. Um, so I have a keg of this on my keyser. It is slightly undercarved because I'm lazy and I didn't want to, you know, shut valves off and crank the CO2 to force carb this one. So I'm kind of letting it slow rise carbonation wise. So it is a little undercarved still, um, needs about another week before it's at the right level there. But, uh, yeah, I have no idea what the ABV on this is. I think it's, I want to say it's between six and 7%. But yeah, Scotch Ale finished in tree wine cask, and uh, it's gonna be delicious. Sounds really uh, good. Spoilers, it's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so, more on that later. All right, uh, we got two weeks worth of preseason news to cover, so we're gonna do that. We'll hit a a beer review, and then we're gonna jump into a, an ADP check, the final one of the final redraft ADP check of the season. Is most fantasy drafts will happen in the next two weeks. Don't expect a whole lot of shifting off of this opposite injury. So this will be the last kind of ADP check into the season. Then next week we'll come through with, you know, some season long predictions and have a little fun with that episode before we uh, do the week one preview. Because I think oh, next week. God, we're so close. No, we don't have to do the week three one. weeks. Yeah, we don't have to do the week one preview next week. That'll be the following week. It's in two. It's, it's in two weeks, right? No. Yeah. Dude. This week is. This yeah, is it's week. in two weeks. Hmm? The leak is. Yeah, we start two weeks from now. Fuck. We start two weeks from now. So, and actually, we have to talk about that. We we'll do. Talk about that <laughs> offline. Do. Because the 7th is my birthday, and I have a workout in there. Um, and then Thursday night would actually be the first Thursday night game. So, we got to talk about that week. We um, do. But anyway, we'll give some season-long predictions, and then a week one preview will either happen next week or the week after. So things are gonna start getting pretty serious and stuff. And then things get serious. And we get... <laughs> <laughs> so you can say these are getting pretty serious. These are getting pretty serious. All right. Uh, Tom Brady returned to the box after several days away. It was suspected that he was filming the Masked Singer. He won't be hurt from uh, from any reps. It was theorized by. Uh, someone on Twitter I've seen some stuff from uh, Lindsay OK, I think, is the name. Yeah, of the name. yeah, yeah. yeah just, it, that name sounds familiar. And she just kind of dove into it. She got a pretty big following. She does? Um, has been around for several years. She just kind of dove into it and uh, realized that, you know, theorized that his absence lined up with the filming of The Masked Singer when they said he would be back, lined up with the conclusion of filming of The Masked Singer, and that... Uh, you know, it's very possible that he signed a contract and had that commitment while he was retired. And what then, and then <laughs> he's retired for like less than two weeks. Yeah, I think it was like actually, I think it was like what was it, forty days? Yeah, it was. It days. was really was. Well, was it forty know, days? <laughs> less than two weeks. Forty. That's days. not less than two weeks. That's right. That is not less two, than weeks, two weeks. Forty days, whatever it takes. <laughs> Same it, difference. The thought is that he might have been filming the Mass Singer. So that's that's funny. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, no worries about Brady missing camp reps. I mean, he's he's done this a few times. He'll be fine. 
Um, Plus, he's playing. He's uh, going to be playing this weekend too. Yeah. Uh, Commanders coach Ron Rivera has named Antonio Gibson the team starting kick returner. Brian Robinson ran at the starters against Kansas City. Uh, Gibson is real deep in this doghouse. It's it's weird because it's it's, it's just trying to figure out what the actual hierarchy is. But he is like so. I I, I just did our Bourbon Bowl live draft. Shout out to Brad. Um, shout out to Rhode Island. Shout out to our, our dudes over there. Um, I got Antonio Gibson. I think in the ninth round. Oh my God! What a steal there! I'm, a I'm like like four uh, round uh, fade uh, over the last two or three weeks. Yeah, I mean it, it's yes. No one really wants to take that shot. Gibson is still a size speed specimen. Like this, he is still productive still, when he gets the shot. Still, has and he costs literally upside. nothing to do that. Now. Yeah, it's like. I'll take that shot. Like RB sixteen, RB seventeen, the last two years. It's like, come on, in the ninth. I round. don't really. I felt dirty. Like I, I, I know the risk, but at that point, like the, the running backs that are left do not have his upside. No, there's the a reward could be tremendous on that one. Yeah, that's. Oh my god, why you got to play that upside? Because he still has RB two upside, um, even in a timeshare. But Brian Robinson's the other part of the story here because, I mean, look at this point the way they're treating Gibson. They're at least comfortable with Robinson. He is going to have a role. Yep. Um, so you need to treat that accordingly. Since this is about ADP, uh, we'll go ahead and give this a little a little check here. So currently, Antonio Gibson is going. He's being drafted someplace. Let's see what league I got. I got him in. Let's see what actual round. Like the uh, or he's ninth. fallen to the ten oh nine in the last thirty days. That's insane! Like, guys, like, I know it's not a sexy pick, but if something were to happen to um, <laughs> he is actually going behind JD McKissick and PPR McKissick behind him. Oh, Jesus God! Imagine being that guy. I'm gonna take McKissick. Yeah. Like, who has one defined role that he may or may not lose touches so, to him, too. It seems like the, the whole backfield's faded, though, because Brian Robinson's down at the 11th round. So, um, here's the thing. Take one of them, right? Yeah. There's yep. going to be a role. This is a you know team that's going to run the football. Take one of them. J.D. McKissick should not be the highest drafted back out of this backfield. No. That's... uh Even in PPR. That's, um, that's just wrong. It is wrong. So... Yeah, at least take one of them. Uh, Brian Robinson, though, sounds like he is going to have a role as rookie season, and Antonio Gibson's going to have to do some work to get out of the doghouse. Yep. Cowboys wide receiver Michael Gallup is going to avoid the pup list to start the season. He's not going to be ready for week one. Um, they've already established that, but this means they think that he'll be ready sometime between week, around week four. Or before week four. So... Um, what does this do for Michael Gallup's ADP, knowing that he's not going to miss the first, you know, four weeks? Guaranteed. It shouldn't change as much. I would still operate that he's on the pup list because while he may be back, it's not he's not it's not guaranteed he's, he'll be a hundred percent. You know, the Cowboys' receiving core is in such uh, disarray right now with all the injuries they have that they may try to rush Gallup back, or they they you know and. and it might be like a Chris Godwin situation in Tampa Bay where he'll play week one, but there's no guarantee that he's 100%. So it may be a slow start. And that's also four weeks for Jalen Tolbert to try to solidify himself in that role as well, into his own role. And it's not like 
we've seen enough of Gallup to make the assumption that he's not a great receiver. He is replacement level, mm-hmm. but it's still a high part offense. He still needs to be drafted, and we know what his upside is. We've seen his upside in previous seasons, and it, 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 it's I wouldn't change much. Like, wouldn't go overdraft him now. Like, I wouldn't go reach for him in the you know sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth round. Yeah, yeah, he's still a double digit round pick to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're basically betting that you know you're still guaranteed to miss that first game. Not putting him on the pot means just that, and he may still miss all four weeks. It means that they're hopeful they can maybe get him back week three. Is kind of how I'm reading into this. And at that point, you just treat it the same because if he's not fully ready to go, we have seen before guys coming off of ACLs do sometimes struggle with other soft tissue issues if they don't, you know, fully trust it or it's not back to full strength yet. They'll, you know, particularly I think hamstring issues can come into play there. So um, there's a re- certainly a re-injury risk there, um, and it's just I I don't think it's worth adjusting that much either. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, this one we can just kind of gloss over, but for your late round tight end fans, another candidate for that is Daniel Bellinger. Uh, we talked about him several times on the show as he's caught in hype all preseason and been heralded all preseason. And that's gone a step further is the Giants have placed Ricky Seals Jones on season ending IR with a toe injury. Must be a pretty serious toe injury. Uh, Jesus. And they cut Jordan Akins. So the only tight ends on the roster right now are rookie Daniel Bellinger, undrafted rookie Austin Allen, and journeyman Chris Myrick. So Bless you. They will probably bring in a veteran here, but you know if you're subscribing to late round tight end and taking a couple dart throws there, this is an option. Uh, Giants wide receiver core is you know kind of always in flux. You've got Kadarius Tony already dealing with soft tissue issues. Uh, Kenny Galladay is not getting any love from the new coaching staff. Uh, Sterling Shepard just activated from the pup. So, you know, not really sure when he's going to be full speed and Wandale Robinson doesn't project to be a big outside threat. And Colin Johnson, who, you know, they were suspecting could take over that Galladay role after showing some flashes last year towards Achilles. Yep. Yesterday. Yesterday. So rough. There's opportunity to be had here. ESPN's Rich Samini reports that Michael Carter is still the Jets running back one. He was in a 50-50 split week one, and Brees Hall played late in the game two, uh, failing to produce very meaningful results. Now, it is preseason, but Michael Carter going in the 11th round. If you want to bump him up a little bit, I mean, it's still... I'm still taking the chance on Brees Hall. Jonathan Taylor just went through this two years ago, guys. We yes. just fucking watched it happen with Naeem Hines and Jonathan Taylor. Now, Taylor to get off to a slow start. It did take him until about halfway through the season to finally get that run going. There is that two or three week stretch before his blow up where it, it was looking fucking grim. Like it was, oh, I'll pull a profile, but it, it, it was pretty bad. And there was more than enough waves out there that was pounding the table to, you know, trade him and redraft and trade him in dynasty because he's a bust through nine games of his career. Right. So, and then he went and put uh, up 1100 yards. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying that we're, we're, look, Brees Hall, it's not Jonathan Taylor, but you know, their overall production profile and their overall draft profile, he's up in that echelon. At least he was for me. 
Um, I forget what week it was, but Brees saw, you know, famously Jonathan Taylor made the, made the comment, the game slowed down for me. Finally, yeah. It's finally slowing down for me. And then he eight, nine, it was weeks eight, nine, and 10 in 2020. Five points, 9.4, and 5.7. This is PPR. And then week 11 against Green Bay on 15. And a half, 22 and a half, 30 and a half, 19 and a half, 19 and a half, 34 and a half in your uh, final game of the season because there wasn't week 17 yet or uh, had to move to week 18. So elite running back prospects with the lead draft capital. But it's it's, that, it's more of a note for Carter, I think, it, is where I think it's we're lit- leading to. It, so. it is, and it solidifies Brees Hall's position. But what it should do is it should also elevate Michael Carter a little bit because you know you're betting that he is on the Jonathan Taylor path and I don't disagree that's a safe bet I'm not saying you fade Brees Hall um out of last I checked he was in the sixth round and that's perfectly fine now he's up in the fourth round so he's ahead of but he's ahead of AJ Dillon Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Miles Sanders so I think that you're right where you should be with that just based on the players around him yep no Uh, but I agree for Michael Carter being all the way down in the 11th round you know he's just ahead of Darrell Henderson but then Rashad White I guess Brian Robinson Isaiah Spiller that all hasn't adjusted yet but I mean you could make the argument for putting him up there with the likes of you know let's see Naeem Hines is still going to the ninth for some reason James Cook is up there in the eighth he could be in a murky triple-headed backfield we talked about that eighth right Eighth round we talked so about much, that eighth yeah. round with wide receivers, but I mean, I really think that you can justify Michael Carter in this, you know, round seven Ramondre Stevenson type of range, potentially. Um, you know, either it's Brees Hall gets off to a slow start. If you see that start to shift a little bit, you move him. Um, but look, if Brees Hall is not impressing in the preseason, he's running with the second team um, three weeks in. and you know, the best we've seen from Brees Hall is he got that opportunity to 50-50 split. Michael Carter is going to get run to start the season, and he should be going with some of these other RBBCs at first because that's where he's going to start, and that's the worst it's going to get. I'm not saying you can't take Brees Hall at upside, but Michael Carter needs to come up a little bit. I will say this. I'm really glad we're two weeks out because <laughs> uh, I wouldn't take Michael Carter in the single-digit rounds because you're basically hoping for Brees Hall to bust or Brees Hall to get hurt. And Michael Carter's had some nice games, but if you get up to that seven six round and you're starting to pass some significantly it's higher upside receivers receiver and but... and significantly higher upside handcuffs, um, it, it, it that the, that part becomes tough. Now there's always he's like he is one injury away, right? We make right. those jokes. He but, should move up to at least the tenth. I can see ninth round. It just depends where you want to start. Uh, taking your high upside running back. So I think he should be. I think he should be up there. I believe in the Jets offense. As long as Zach Wilson is healthy. Yeah. And I mean, he starts to progress himself. And I'd, I'd even be comfortable with him in round eight. And that's also looking at this and seeing that most of that group we liked in round eight is up to round seven now. Yeah. It's, so, it's, they're moving. They are moving as they should. So I would, I would look at round eight potentially for Michael Carter because I mean, that's around Damian Pierce will come up. Ramondre Stevenson's up there. I think that's about right for him. Damian Pierce will come up. We'll talk about that in a minute. Melvin Gordon's there. We know he's pretty much going to be in a 50-50 split. Melvin we got to talk about Damian Pierce. We got to talk about 
Ryan McDowell's uh, dynasty poll he just posted well, comparing Damian Pierce and Kenneth Walker. <laughs> we will. When, uh, once you get there, it's it's fucking astonishing, he's, though. He's in the news. James Cook is 807, and you know that, like, you know, I guess you could argue that James Cook has a more theoretical upside, but his path to targets is not, or to touches is not nearly as clear, especially early in the season. Yes. And, you know, you got Naeem Hines at the 903, and then Ken Walker at 912, Raheem Mostert at 912. So, yeah, I think round seven to nine, about a two round elevation for Michael Carter is probably fair. So, something to be aware of in your rookie drafts, though. If you're it is. out that late, oh, yeah. especially if you start wide receiver heavy, let's say you start, you know, chasing Diggs or Jefferson and Higgins and Higgins or, you know, somewhere around there around one and two, just because of how cards, how things fall, you know, you may, I love this Michael Carter hype. Super heavy, so. Cause the more the the Michael Carter hype comes, the more Brees Hall falls down. So maybe he'll fall down to the fifth. Maybe. Get him one round later. I mean, he could, you know, you know, there's a lot of, there's uh, plenty of leagues. And I know I thought this way for a really long time is that I wanted to do my drafts. I want to do all my redraft leagues as close to the start of the season as possible because of news like this. And, and this is the one big benefit is, is that, you know, running backs that shouldn't be faded hard may get faded because of news that breaks. And for whatever reason, you're going to, I mean, as Ryan said, maybe pre-sell now drops back uh, closer to that sixth round where, Maybe he's going after you know Clyde at the Brazilian. He's going after. Well, and I don't know that that happens really either because it's not like anybody behind him has really gotten that much good news this week. True, I mean, true. I guess Very AJ true. Dillon maybe got some good news, but that'll elevate him. I don't think that'll fade Breeze. So, I mean, you might get a one round discount on him, but it's not like there's a bunch of guys behind him breathing down his neck ready to jump over him either. True. Given the upside, I just I just don't think there's enough depth at the position to shift him. He's already much. probably as low as he should be oh, in yeah. terms of what his upside is. Like in terms, like how close is he to Travis Etienne? Hopper? Etienne is three eleven, so about a round. He's moved up too. I mean, that oh, he's yeah. moved the, the hype's getting like real on him. Oh yeah, he's, yeah, yes. There's been a lot of shifting the last few weeks, as, as we expect. we knew there would be. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. That's your, uh, Michael Carter. Five minutes. We already talked about the Giants earlier, so I don't need to go into that more. Ravens officially placed Gus Edwards on the pup. Uh, J.K. Dobbins had to be sat back down for a couple days as he works his way back from the ACL, looking more and more like he's going to have a slow start. Uh, this is kind of opening it up for Mike Davis and then Tyler Beatty to get some <laughs> run to start the season. So... Mike I thought ba- I thought Beatty looked better in the preseason game than uh, Davis did. I th- I Beatty so is too, better than Mike Davis. Beatty is better than Mike Davis. Dude, do not but... do not convince yourself otherwise. Oh, I'm now, not convinced. Like, now, I saw... now, well, will Mike Davis get the run prior to or, you know uh, before Beatty? Give probably. A yeah, he's a veteran. He's, he's a veteran, veteran run. Yeah, which is bullshit. And but... that hurts because if J.K. Dobbins makes his way back in that time frame, then you know you don't get quite the same sizable opportunity if you're a Beatty believer in dynasty, and I very much am. So, yeah. Yep. I agree. Um, but we're keeping a close eye on J.K. Dobbins. It's kind of been the tale of he's ready, he's not ready. Yeah. So as we watch him try to work his way back. Uh, rookie quarterback Matt Corral placed on IR by the Panthers ending his season. So this is a guy that a lot of people will 
in my opinion, wrongfully, were very high on. Um, <laughs> you know, and the, well, I don't want to say very high on. This is a bad rookie QB class, but yeah, um, yeah, he's gonna miss his his first season. Um, which really not the worst thing. It allows the Panthers to keep him without having to make a cut decision necessarily, and probably PJ Walker. Um, they had four quarterbacks on the roster that were all kind of murked together. Uh, and he's going to get to sit and, and learn year one. There's you know, no pressure to, you know, put the, the rookie that has a lot of potential in if Baker struggles or if Darnold struggles. Yeah. Baker named starting quarterback, by the way. We'll talk about that in a minute. As he should have been. Oh, yeah. Easily. So let's just talk about that right now. So Baker Banfield is named the starting quarterback of the Panthers. Um, Look, this elevates DJ Moore. This elevates Christian McCaffrey. This elevates the team over Sam Darnold. So, uh, theoretically, that's that's it. It it, sh- it should just be Moore McCaffrey. Oh, um, easily Moore McCaffrey. You don't need the draft Baker in in single QBs, and I think in uh, a two QB super flex, he's a fine, you know, QB three, QB four. Like he's mm-hmm. he's not he's not being moved up around anything differently or crazy. Like we all. We're operating under the assumption that he was going to be the starter anyway, so there should be yeah. no change to this, and you should not be bumping him up for this. Yeah, but he will have a short leash with he will. Sam Darnold there as well. If he struggles, that's why he's a QB three, QB four, and he's got yeah. he's got to prove it. Yep, uh, Jamison Jamison Williams unsurprisingly starting the year on the pup, so he'll miss at least the first four games. Uh, Nick Westbrook Akeen will start the season as a Titans number two. Uh, well, a second outside receiver, I guess, opposite Robert Woods. Uh, Kyle Phillips, everything we've seen shows he has the the starting slot job locked up, and Traylon Burks is going to have uh, going to have some work to do after missing a lot of time in the preseason and you know down with soft tissue issues and just really kind of struggling to get out of out of the blocks to start his career. Yeah, that looks so good. It does. Uh, it does uh, feel a little bit like the Justin Jefferson situation, right? It does, yeah, right. Because he started, he started like the what wide receiver three, wide three. receiver four in his own. It team. was that famous comment of uh, BC Johnson starting. You know, uh, Jefferson's firmly behind BC Johnson as the number three receiver. Yeah, and what Westbrook Akeen is not going to hold on to that job by any stretch of the imagination, in my opinion. He no. he's kind of like a fine four on most teams, and the Titans don't go throw deep enough to have to have to go that deep um you know i'd expect a little bit more out of see austin hooper's there now too so i think yeah so i'd expect a little bit more out of austin hooper than i would you know westbrook uh and and potentially even kyle phillips being a good floor play i'm interested to see how that starts off and if he's somebody i'm going to be chasing down on waiver wires because he is that uh i got him really late in a league so i've got him late in a couple leagues he is my type of player I like yes. him a lot. Um, so yeah, there's there's your Titans corner. Isaiah Likely is emerging this preseason in Baltimore uh, after a couple strong preseason performances and could force himself into playing time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Ravens are a team that is set up to run a lot of two tight end sets. Um, it's not often that a rookie tight end gets to start or gets a ton of playing time, but if he's on the field with a veteran tight end, that kind of changes things a little bit. And because, you know, the veteran tight end can take some of the more tougher assignments and you get to role play 
that rookie tight end a little bit. And the Ravens, you know, after not adding anything after the Marquise Brown trade, they're going around with Bateman and Duvernay, and they don't really have a whole lot else on the wide receiver front. This is a team, especially given their style of play and their offensive style, that benefits from having two tight ends on the field. I'm not saying you worry about this in redraft so much as watch list it and keep an eye on it. I just thought it was an interesting tidbit when I thought about, you know, his emergence, how much coaches like him, particularly for dynasty and, you know, how the Ravens run that offense. His emergence is there, but it's because one other tight end is missing. And that's the other rookie, uh, Charlie Kohler. I think with, if Kohler was there, He'd be the one that's being getting all the the hype right now, but since he's out with the sports hernia, I yeah. think if that's the reason why Isaiah likely is getting all the he'd have to perform. Looks. He'd have to perform though, and you know the, it's all about opportunities. And if likely got the opportunity, came out, performed, and established himself in a role, you know, Collar's going to have to work twice as hard to come take that. Yeah, it's um. So Mark Andrews, his freshman or freshman, his rookie year, uh, nine point three target share. Uh, 32% snap share, 144 slot snaps. Um, These are the things you should be kind of, he's not obviously going to match the same stats, but if you're looking at a day two rookie tight end in an offense, in one of the premium tight end scoring offenses, at least in terms of slot and snap usage and snaps given, um, as Hopper said. Here's one injury away. Dude, too. He, he, kinda, yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, sure. He, he, I mean, he, he, he is to an extent, mm-hmm. um, but he should be, he should be on your taxi squad. He should be on your bench. You know, he should be at least on your dynasty, dynasty rosters. And if you have a deep enough bench and redraft, especially tied in any bonus and tied in scorings or two tight end leaks, throw them on there and just see what happens. And, and, um, you know, it, it's, 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 it's a good thing for them to be productive in preseason. Just don't go overboard with it. It's a good thing for those reports to be coming out, too. And, you know, were this a lot of other teams, I wouldn't think anything of it because we've hypothesized a lot about two tight end sets, and that almost never happens. But the Ravens are not normal teams in how they run this offense. (laughs) The Ravens run a lot of uh, uh, 12 and 13 personnel. We'll just say that. They benefit from having that extra tight end out there. They do. Damian Pierce, we are going to talk about him. Uh, May have the Texans running back gig locked up. Uh, he sat so let me, sat with the rest of the starters so Levy Smith could get a, quote, better look at the other two backs. So Rex Burkhead, Marlon Mack, Damian Pierce, nothing but positive things coming out, coming out of training camp. We knew this when he was drafted, that he landed in a spot that had opportunity. We'd kept him lunch, lot, or at least I've kept him lumped in with Tyler Algier the entire offseason. Yep. His players to watch, and it sounds like this is becoming reality. He is going to get this job. I mean, ambiguous backfield, bad offense, but he's got a pass catching profile. And again, thank God there's only two weeks because uh, this could have turned into like a Seattle back situation where they're going too high in these redraft leagues and you're spending up and passing on you know better prospects. You see, if he stays in that 10th plus round, double digit range. Yeah. He's the, he, he's not he, going he wants. To. I he, doubt it. He's in the eighth. No. He's in the eighth right now, behind in for full PPR behind Chase Edmonds and Ramondre Stevenson ahead okay. of Melvin Gordon and James Cook, which is fair. That's 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 about yeah, as high as you want to go. Right. But that's fair. Yeah. And on and on tonight's opening drive, he already had six carries, thirty-seven yards, and a touchdown. Yeah. 
So the hype, the hype's getting out there now. Yeah, this is it's not Amir Abdullah. If you guys, it, you know, for listeners out there, remember the Amir Abdullah preseason hype that they vaulted him to uh, second, third, and fourth round draft capital and redraft leagues. Yeah. Oh it, man, that what a time to be hard. alive to be Amir Abdullah, and now he's fucking getting hyped again. Yeah, Damian Pierce should not hype any higher than probably the late round five based on these other players I'm looking at around this. You should not hype up any higher than late round five. I would say even early round six, right around where Rashad Penny and Tony Pollard are going. Bad offense, not touchdown touchdown heavy. I think he probably has a little bit more insulation than Penny does, although Walker dealing with the the hernia. Um, So kind of hard to say that, too. But, yeah, I think that probably mid-round six is about as high as you could go with with Pierce and me to feel comfortable with it. And I, I wouldn't even, as much as I, I really like Pierce, it's the fact that he's never had a, a true touch load, like a true workload season. He's had nothing more than like a hundred some touches. If that, so we'll see if the body can hold up. It also means Marlon Max in a dip down. And I still think you should be drafting Marlon Mack in double digit rounds because there's absolutely no guarantee that Damian Pierce is going to yeah. lock this role for the entire season. The fact is he's, he's never played a full, he's never operated as a lead back with lead back workload before. There's still some value in, in, in the drafting Marlon Mack. Um, no, but he's built like somebody that could. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm like I said, I wouldn't go up to that fifth, sixth round. Again, this is that's where I'm drafting generally drafted receiver tight ends, maybe quarterbacks. I would rather not try to reach on, you know, on that type of running back at that point. But uh I still like him. It's just that's that's a little rich. But eighth round, as the ties are, you know, changing with some of our favorite receivers starting to move up the board as they should. Um, sure. I mean, again, I just look at where it, who else is around this and how I project them. So let's say that he doesn't get full load, but he gets more than that 120. Let's put him in the 150 to 180 touch range. So like a 60 40 split, like a six, I think that'd be, yeah, probably about 60 40, maybe even 65 or sorry, maybe even like 55 45 somewhere in there. You know, you're going to put him right there where, I mean, that into the fifth, early six is Rashad Penny. Okay, fine. He's got maybe same. same that's too, be a little that's higher. still too high anyway. So yeah. I wouldn't take Penny that high either. So well, no, but no. there's, but there's nobody here. You would take that high. And that's the problem with running backs, right? Yeah. Is yep. that if you're looking running backs in this round, you can say you wouldn't take Penny that high and God, I'm about to defend Rashad Penny. Yes, I do it. Do I, it. I, <laughs> it feels so wrong, but it's so good. I don't want to either, but I look who's immediately at, who's around ahead of Penny, and it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire, not safe. Damian Harris, not safe. Miles Sanders, not safe. They all have higher upside. They should be above him. You look behind him, Tony Pollard. Okay, yeah, he's probably gonna be in that same type of split role. Yeah. Kareem Hunt, probably gonna be in that same type of split role. Those are your sixth round backs, your seventh round backs, Chase Edmonds. We know he's gonna be in a split role. Ramondre Stevenson, we know he's gonna be in a split role. So, like, it's not that like when I look at the guys that are around him in PPR and how these running backs are falling, I mean they're spread out. They're about two per round right now in this area. Yeah. But 
I look at where does he rank among the rest of them and would I elevate him above where those guys are going? And I say, yeah, probably. I like more of the wide receivers in that area. So you should probably go early running back. So you're not in this situation and you're taking, you know, a Damian Pierce as your third or fourth back, probably your fourth back in that range. But, you know, I'm just saying that, you know, on the surface, you say sixth round, it feels high. I look at the backs that are in the sixth round. I'm like, okay, that's not high because if the upside for Damian Pierce is, call it 180 carries, taking into account that he's never been a full, or 180 touches, taking into account that he's never been a full workload guy, well, that's probably about where Kareem Hunt's going to be. That's probably about where Devin Singletary is going to be. That's probably about where Tony Pollard's going to be, and those are the guys going in the sixth round. I mean, but it, I'm not just comparing them to running backs because all those backs can still go be going too high. And, and as you mentioned, when we're talking about the other receivers and tight ends and you know the other players going on in that range that aren't playing his position, that I mean, it, we don't ever say preach trying to draft a a specific position at certain points. But as you're starting to think about your drafts and starting to get an idea of how you want to attack your drafts, go zero wide receiver it, and just. You want all your wide you just, receivers late yeah, and say like, fuck the running you, backs in that area. I mean, somebody's drafting running backs in round six. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, so. it doesn't mean that you want to. I, I, I definitely am not trying to, but some of those guys are going to drop because some of those receivers are going to be taken. You're going to get some other shit that happens. You're, you're going to start being able to pluck the ones that move down. A guy like Chase Edmonds may move down. You know, I so I wouldn't take a Seattle bit. We've had that conversation for way too much on the show, but <laughs> it, it, it's. I'm just saying that you can't really say he's too high because the only way that he or that, sorry, that six is too high because you know the only way that's not too high is if you're you've got only people taking wide receivers. Somebody's gonna have to draft it. So let me look at the running backs because at this point, you know, the fact of the matter. How does that six round look? Uh, pull up the actual full ADP. How does that six? I am look? looking at the full ADP. Okay. It's definitely wide receiver heavy, but so is the seventh round, and so is the fifth round. So the fact is, is that the way that this normally works, your draft can fall by this point in time, where you are super running back heavy, the way you'd want to be right now, given the wide receivers that are available, but there could be some people that are super wide receiver heavy too, because they had some things fall out in a way that, you know, where they got some deals early because people are going running back heavy early. I mean, I guess it depends on your league. I still wouldn't lock myself into... You're not locking yourself into Taking it. a player not, that I don't... Or a position that I really don't want to take, too, at that point, just because I went wide receiver heavy. Like, oh, so, I've done that. I've I've been okay just passing. So take another waiting. wide receiver? I mean... <laughs> Well, yeah, got, I mean, I got four wide receivers. There's also tight point. ends and quarterbacks that could draft too, and maybe a kicker or defense. But if, let's not get too crazy. If I got four wide receivers at this point, you know, then, and I've got one running back or two running backs, then yeah, I'm looking at a guy that's going to be a starter. So tight ends. <laughs> Dallas, <laughs> Dallas Goddard, Dalton like, Schultz. Because yeah. a lot of those names aren't, aren't, aren't like. They're not guaranteed starters, like even if they don't care. No, this is the area of guaranteed role players is what this is. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Again, we uh, on episode 400 like to uh, like to still, you know, dominate the airwaves. No, it's all good. It's all good. No, I totally like on like I'd almost just go running back, running back, running back, tight end, and then just start the wide receiver <laughs> run at that point. You just can't be. Yeah. But 
you can't lock yourself into positions. We just talked about this last show. But about, I mean, I would I, even go. I still go after Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like I'd be willing to pull the trigger on Ceh because I still see I would that offense being su- such potent that he's still going to be out there enough. Nope, I not, totally drafted Isaiah Pacheco. Nobody's nobody's drafting nobody's drafting running backs. I I like the wide receivers in that round more than I like the running backs in that round. So we're only going to recommend wide receivers in that round. Because if you want to, hey, hey, I. Again, if we can get away with it, if you yeah. want to draft running backs there, then fine. Then we can go through the point of I, I would take to, I would I take Chase Evans over Damian Pierce. I, I would take. You don't want to draft running backs yeah. there because it feels ugly. But I do want to draft Damian Pierce as my RB four if I can. I mean, I, I you win yeah. championships with depth. Especially I mean, sure, but I, I again, I can find similar upside if my RB four like I like. Take away the player almost at that point. I still want higher. Like I, I would then just wait on a handcuff with higher upside. If, if I'll, it's I'll agree with concerned. I'll agree with Hopper on this one. If if I'm getting the RB four, those are the RB fours I want. But right then, there. what are you passing up as your wide receiver once at that point too? Like your, or your tight end? Your wide like, receiver. Well, I'm not drafting my wide receiver run one between round six and eight. First and foremost. Fine, your wide receiver. Like again, your wide what's receiver. the value of drafting Damian Pierce as your RB four if you're passing on your wide receiver too at that point? It also depends on your roster settings, your scoring settings, and all that shit too. So we could be. So if he stays where you're at, it's Cordero Patterson, Brandon Ayuk, Alan Lazard, DeAndre Hopkins that go right after him. The guys right before him are Amari Cooper, Devonta Smith, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore. So a couple guys I like, a couple guys I don't. I like Bateman there, and then I wouldn't mind even grabbing. I like Bateman and more there. I even like Hopkins. I'd grab Hopkins there. Even though, yes, you're losing for the six yeah. weeks. Sit and wait. Yeah. If he especially that, especially if you go wide receiver heavy, or if, or if you'll load up after a taking Hopkins, knowing that you're not going to get him for six weeks. Because, I mean, he's, still looking, he's looking like really good still. So. so, to put on bow on this, I think that the takeaway is that in most rounds, the wide receiver talent there is going to be greater than what the running back talent is there. That's the theme that we've seen every ADP check in that we have. The wide receiver and talent. year, too. Really. It, yeah, the wide receiver talent is greater and deeper than the running back talent in those mid rounds. So, you want to get your starting running backs early because the wide receiver talent around that range is greater. You don't necessarily want to be in the position where you're looking Damian Pierce, but you very well could be if too many people go running back heavy early and you find yourself getting deals on. I don't know. I think I've seen a couple like Jamar Chase and potentially CeeDee Lamb maybe going. Chase is at the end of one round and Lamb or is right now ADP, I think the end of round, you know, if you're near that turn pick. Chase, I think right now is 110 ADP, which I feel like it's too low. Um, and yeah, he's 108 ADP and then CeeDee Lamb's 204. If I can start out Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb, go, you know, a third round, you know, Nick Chubb or Saquon, or sorry, those are second round, go like a third round Zeke Elliott or James Conner type of upside, then I'm looking more for running back depth at that point. And I don't think if you get the chance to start off Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, that you're passing that up wide receiver wise. But then you got to oh, get God, creative no. with your backs no. later. But I still That's where wouldn't. Damian Pierce I, plays. Yeah, I, I, like I, I think that difference is too is that you're still looking to balance out the starters. Mm-hmm. I'm still looking for best player available. Like I just don't see the value loss of 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 
maybe missing out on Damian Pierce it when depends on how still... your roster is too. If you're and some leagues are still like this, if you're still two wide receiver, two running back, true for your starters, yeah. then getting that third wide receiver doesn't give you a lot of value. I mean, you can play with the flex, but giving that third wide receiver doesn't give you the value because you still have to start two other running backs there. Um, and you're down in a bunch of role players in that area. And then you got somebody that should be their starter. Well, that's, that's almost like the hero RB theory. You know, you get your RB in the round one mm-hmm. and then those are, those would be your RB twos in that range. If you're trying, to I've done a RB. lot of those. Yeah. yeah it, it's, as you take your anchor back within the first three rounds, then, you identify who the anchor backs are in those range in, in which you're comfortable with drafting. And then you punt the position, load up on receivers. Titus. Again, this is all based on roster settings and scoring settings. So again, you to be really adaptable. put a bow on it, know your fucking league settings because that will dictate and determine. And be adaptable based on that. And be adaptable. You're not yeah. passing up getting to start with two top tier wide receivers. But you might be looking for running backs later. Yeah. Yep. That's a actually really good way to pull that away from Damian Pierce and just get into an overall strategy discussion about if th- this, then this. <laughs> I still want to talk. I still want to briefly be- mention Ryan McDowell's poll. Uh, yeah, I want to hear what that was. So it was, uh, who would you rather have in Dynasty, Damian Pierce or Kenneth Walker? Uh, it's. Probably is it skewed heavy to Damian Pierce right now? No, it's fifty fifty, which okay. is still. I would have Kenneth Walker ten over ten. I would too, because regardless of the hype the long, right now, it's the long Pierce. play. Your hate on Kenneth Walker, it's just redraft is, is redraft and temporary. Yep. Kenneth Walker is still the long play there. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's still he, right now. He's a top five pure runner in football, and he hasn't played it down. Like I will say that with confidence. Yep, he is an extremely, extremely good runner. He is younger Nick Chubb, younger Derrick Henry. Well, younger and skinnier Derrick Henry and Nick <laughs> Chubb, but still an elite runner of the football. Seattle's offense will not be this anemic, this like for multiple years. Now there's still risk as it could be, but mm-hmm. it, it's he was a, almost a foolproof prospect. Outside of having not not having a pass catching profile, that that's what that's what hindered him in the eyes of guys like me and other you know analytical you know breakdowns, but. He, like if you can flip Damian Pierce for Kenneth Walker right now in Dynasty, ten yeah, out of ten do it. Do Smash that. accept, do it. Like fuck, see if you can get a third throw, throw on top. Because I'm, I would like I, I like Pierce with Hopper and I. You guys know, and we're all Pierce fans here. Different. Oh, there's man. completely different levels of ceiling. I thought that was crazy. It had 700 volts, and it was like a 52 oh, wow. 48 split. Yeah, that in is. In like 20 minutes. That's freaking crazy. That Let me see. I'll see if I can find it here. Crazy. All. I guarantee you, I guarantee it's, it's a start going Pierce after tonight. Well, that I think I wouldn't be surprised if there's some people thinking Recency it's, uh, bias is it's so redraft. heavy. So it's 54, it, it's 55 45 right now. Because I saw uh, the Walker. Oh. Forty, yeah, yeah, Walker, a uh, little over forty-eight hundred votes in two hours. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Good job, Brian. Closer I have all those friends, I guess. Still closer than it should be. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Raiders have released Kenny Drake. He'll probably land somewhere as a veteran presence. His, uh, his contract was fully guaranteed too. Yeah. Like they, he had the guaranteed money out of it, and then they released him anyways. It probably wasn't a lot of money though. No, I think it was like three and a half million. Yeah. It's also the Raiders. They don't make good decisions. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, let's just be real here. 
Yeah. But the, well, yeah, he released Kenyon Drake for Amir Abdullah, and uh, it's not like those two both haven't been in the league for a while, and it's not like one of them hasn't been, like, Kenyon Drake has never been elite, but it's not like one of them hasn't been immensely more successful than the other. It's just Dude, funny, too, because a couple he, years ago, we were drafting Kenyon Drake in the second round. Uh-huh. Life of a running back. He'll land somewhere. Uh, he will. Maybe Baltimore. Maybe Baltimore. Uh, <laughs> we already talked about Baker Mayfield. Logan Thomas being activated from the pop after a really bad knee injury. 2020 is tight end four. So. Late end, tight, tight end late target. Round, tight end target. I like him. Might, yeah. might be a slow start, but late round tight end target. Stab in the dark. Yep. Isaiah McKenzie was the only slot receiver to take a snap with Josh Allen in Buffalo's second preseason game. Uh, He is pretty much, through all accounts, being talked about as the locked-in starting slot receiver. Uh, Also of note, Khalil Shakir's had some had a very solid preseason, and they are using both McKenzie and Shakir outside. So McKenzie, when Josh Allen left the game slid outside instead of playing in the slot. And then Shakir has also played both uh, inside, outside. So, I mean, you're watching that for injury perspective. It also seems like the Bills are looking for uh, a lot of versatility here. Um, This is, in both instances, not great news for Jamison Crowder. No, and Crowder sounds like, given how small his contract was, do not be shocked if he's cut. He could be a cut candidate. He could be a guy that gets cut and lands on a wide receiver needy team, you know, you look at Baltimore, you look at, you know, you look at other, you know, needing a true veteran presence, you know, maybe Green Bay, if they want to, you know, on a slot receiver. So. Nope. 100%. So I think that the biggest note here is, you know, with Isaiah McKenzie, he had some big blow up games. The bills are going to be a higher powered offense. He's going to, going to, Excuse me. Have some wide receiver three floor for like flex type value in certain matchups. It's a good depth pickup. We know that they will slot him in. No pun intended. If there <laughs> is an injury to somebody, we saw it last year. We saw him take off with that last year. Um, so it, it's kind of what we anticipated when Cole Beasley was allowed to walk. Is that you know Isaiah McKenzie could very well end up with a starting slot gig here, and it sounds like he's going to. And it's not like McKenzie is uh, not also had some pretty dominant targeted games when he's actually had the chance to be starter. Week 16, 84.4% snap share, 12 targets, yep. 11 catches, 125 yards, and a tutty. He's got some blow up potential. Yeah. I mean, you just, it's, you know, last year, weeks or uh, two years ago, week 17, nine targets mm-hmm. on 84% snap share. So, if he plays that role that Josh Allen loves it, you know, Cole Bleasy had a sub, he had just under 20% target share himself mm-hmm. this past season. And, and McKenzie's a good enough you know player to command that. And he's going to be far more explosive. So you're underneath explosive options, your double move guy that that's McKenzie's role. And do not be surprised if we're looking up halfway through the season and McKenzie is very close to your boy, Gabe Davis and actual production. Oh, don't tell name. face don't, off that. I, I'm sorry, Ryan. Don't say that name. What, Gabe Davis? Well, no, you can say that name. Yeah. Just don't say Isaiah McKenzie is going to be close to scoring to Gabe Davis. He might uh, be outscoring. He might be not, out-targeting, out-producing Gabe Davis. Ooh. Uh, 
Probably I, won't, I won't go as far as not producing. I will say that if both of them were in the same range, I wouldn't be surprised. I think you're going to have some Davis games, and I think you're going to have some McKenzie games. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Sticks so, and stones may break my bones, but Isaiah McKenzie will never break my Gabe Davis love. Oh, he's never going to break my Gabe Davis love either. I just also love Isaiah McKenzie and Khalil Shakir. Oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love those wide receivers in general now. It's funny because I actually really like Gabe Davis. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I, don't hate, I don't hate players. I just hate ADPs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why you just got to go with auctions. Auctions are just so much easier. My first nomination to Brown Knight is going to be Gabe Davis. <laughs> like, I'm, and Damian Pierce because I'm fucking all the hype players. I want all the heavy spenders overpaying for them right away. Oh, yeah. Like, you gave me absolutely, absolutely. $10, $15 right off the bat. I just <laughs> talked to somebody about this, too. That's another good auction strategy is you know, nominate players you might not necessarily be high on, but you know the consensus is they're high on them and do, people are high on them and do it early. Don't nominate players like you would in, like you would draft them and redraft. Get people to overpay for some of these hype players when they have more money and they're more comfortable. Uh, also, don't be afraid to drive up bids. Just don't bid more than you're willing to pay for someone. It's and, and, and to go a little further on that, like even if you like the player, like hyping up players whose names are in the news, you know, frequently around your draft time, they're going to be, they're going to drive that value higher in terms of the cost of them. So get those players off the way, which will allow yourself a little extra funds to play around with in your later rounds when you're building your depth, when everyone's down to a couple bucks, two or three bucks max bid, and you're sitting there Hanging with out. a strong roster, you know, still $10. A max betting you can do so yep a lot of fun love oh, auctions yeah. if you haven't done one definitely definitely do one and we haven't actually talked auction strategy on the show in a while so yeah look we fit that in too God, uh, i'm so good at this so good at this the athletic we've done this before <laughs> 400 times <laughs> yeah 389 times actually it's been more than that because the episode count doesn't count live streams and a couple bonus episodes we apparently had in year two and year three so they were probably like I want to say closer to like maybe four ten. With bonus episodes, if you count live streams, were what are we? Sixteen weeks at five years, seventeen. Oh, that's 17, right. 18, With 19, the Sunday 20, streams, 20, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Far more than we're probably be closer to four fifty. Yeah. I mean, on, me no, because that's what you said. It's seven sixteen weeks. 16 yeah, times, you know, episodes. four. We're probably closer to 500, realistically. We're, we're probably right on 500, yeah. Realistically, Jesus with live streams Christ. and stuff. But, what um, are we doing with our lives? <laughs> this. Should be episode 400 slash 500. Officially an 11-game suspension for... Oh, I forgot Nelson Aguilar. Hold on. The Athletics Chad <laughs> Gra- <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, Watson. You can wait. Yeah. Easy to do. Athletics Chad Graff reports that Nelson Aguilar has been the Patriots' best wide receiver this offseason. Kind of not surprising on the outside. Taquan Thornton also getting some love. Jacoby Myers, we know he's solid. Look, somebody from the Patriots is going to be at wide receiver 2-3 level. Um, it's going to be... Think... They have a good enough quarterback for that to happen. Um, and Aguilar... You know, I'm not surprised by this, I guess is what I'm saying. You don't go out and severely overdraft but he's damn near free so yeah and i think uh i'm pretty sure thorne's battling injury too if i'm not mistaken i think he's out actually for like the first few weeks yeah so at least so yeah aguilar is not a bad 
you know, double digit round dart throw on a guy that could have some some real upside there. You know, you don't hear much about, but they actually have a good connection is uh, Devontae Parker. Yeah, you're not, you know, not hearing a lot about Parker. And that's to me, I take that another way of that's kind of a little concerning that you're getting, you know, Nelson Aguilar hype, but there hasn't been a lot on on Parker. So. At least not that I've seen. I haven't. No, I haven't seen anything. I've seen zero like Parker hype. Like we all. haven't heard anything on Parker. Yeah, I've heard zero Parker hype. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a good sign. No, it's not. Uh, officially an 11 game suspension for Deshaun Watson, fine of $5 million. He returns to face the Texans because, of course, he fucking does NFL. God, because all the NFL cares about is it's putting ass in seats and getting those t- everyone to watch the TV. Mm-hmm. They don't care about your feelings. Fuck no, your feelings. They don't <laughs> care about those 25 masseuses either. Just no, I mean, was, you saw the guys that signed at the. Shit, uh, you're, they're almost close to thirty. Yeah, just it, not lawsuits. It was a, it was a heinous, it was heinous actions, and we will not stand for it. So you can come back and play the Texans. Yes, yes. Your former team. I looked at, I looked it up actually. Uh, this is only like the second odd numbered game suspension in the last five years. Yeah, it's uh. It looks not, not counting. It's so uh, it looks not, so not counting, not counting one gamers. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. But you don't see a lot of three, five, eleven game suspensions. It's normally even numbered. Just an observation. Poor Josh Gordon. Poor Josh Gordon. <laughs> All he did was smoke some weed. Yeah. Martavis Bryant too. Right. Oh yeah. I totally oh, forgot about him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, easy to do. Uh, Robert Tunyon activated from the pub. Another tight end that you can throw later on. Yep. Yep. And who the fuck has Green Bay throwing passes to? Romeo the God Dobbs. Yeah, who currently might be their wide receiver four by at least one report. Don't know that I buy that, but that's the report. Rodgers came out and said to instead of Dobbs, uh, you know, we're going to expect more from him than a normal rookie, and his standards are going to be different than a normal rookie. All right, Chief Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb ahead of him. That's a threat. I can't wait for week one where Watkins goes off for his his eight for eight bucks, oh, yeah. eight by twenty five and two. You're like, oh god damn it! I should have known. He, he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a DFS steal in week one because that's what you know you have to play in week one no matter what. He's always, yeah. yeah, it's in the bylaws actually in all of, uh, FanDuel and DraftKings. Yeah, yeah, you, it's automatically put in your lineup. Actually, <laughs> auto pull, it pulls up. He just puts in Watkins. <laughs> remove Watkins. You can't. You, you remove Watkins. Go to add someone else. He's already back in your lineup. <laughs> it goes to play him twice. I don't want to play two Hopkins. Well, then, well, now you can't remove both Hopkins or uh, Hopkins Watson Watkins. Wow. Uh, four receptions, ninety-six yards, no touchdowns. Week one last year, that was his uh, his season high in receiving yards and tied his season high in receptions. In 2020, week one, he was seven receptions for 82 yards and a touchdown. That was his season high in yards and season high in receptions. <laughs> it's like fucking clockwork. 20, yeah. 2019, nine for 11, 198, and three touchdowns. Easily a season high in yards, season high in. That was the guard to Minshew, baby. Catches, yep. Minshew Mania started that week. <laughs> that was the week, yeah. Uh, it was week two, actually, in 2018. 
He was uh, six of seven for a hundred yards. Was he was he out week one? Uh, no, no, he was not out week one. Was that Rams? Was that when you sold the Rams? Right? No, uh, no, Kansas City. Oh, Chiefs. Okay. Uh, He also had another hundred yard game with two touchdowns in week eight that year. Love it. And then in twenty seventeen, the blow up was week three. We when he was with the Rams. So, <laughs> there's at least one Sammy Watkins blow up in the first part of the season. Like clockwork. Like clockwork. Every time. All right. Look, quick look at ADP. Um, just, uh, I'm on FF Calc looking at full PPR if you want to join me on this. Let's do a beer review real quick. And I just want to do a quick run through of this and just some things that jump out. Beer review. Dan, you go ahead and start. I actually got to pour a little more of mine off the cake. Yeah, again, uh, I'm having the Sills uh, Wild Sour Blueberry Crumble. Um, it is as advertised. Uh, something I actually really like about how my brewery does their beers. It, it's it's not overly sweet or sour in either direction. It's definitely not overly sweet when you jump into these really dessert-style sours. It's still really... You know, gives you the balance and still gives you both of what you're looking for that that good blueberry on top of having the lactose and the cinnamon that's in there to kind of help really fulfill and really give it the full body that it deserves. And this was the first beer that we put into distribution of this type of series, and um, super excited to have it back. And um, it, it is drinking incredibly delicious. All right, I don't remember the name of this thing. This. I don't remember the actual name this beer was given, but I am drinking a Scotch ale finished in wine barrels uh, from White Rooster down in Sparta, Illinois. So, head creamy, tan, a little bit persistent. Definitely a nice creamy head to it, though. Um, It's got some really big chocolate notes on this one, especially when I drink it. It's like a semi-sweet chocolate to it. It's not overly bitter at all. Uh, the alcohol is is there, but that doesn't overwhelm either. Maybe some slightly roasted notes to this one. Um, not a whole lot of sweetness, so not a lot of of you know caramel or, or anything like that. Um, a medium full body, not super heavy. It does have a nice creaminess to it. Light amount of hot bitterness, no alcohol burn, no, no warmth to it or anything like that. Um, yeah, overall, uh, this turned out really, really well. It is a second-use barrel, but I do get some of the darker berry notes from the wine on this, particularly as it warms up a bit um, on the nose and in, in the drink. Uh, my first impression of this was actually kind of a chocolate-covered cherry. So, Ooh. So, really, really good beer. So my rooster is amazing. So, good job to them and good job to the firm. Nice. Ryan, Ryan I did it. I, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. I came prepared this time. So I had uh, Old Nation Brewery, 70 plus West Coast IPA. And the the thing I noticed differently on it is it's like, you know, like normal West Coast IPAs, but very, very hoppy. And I was looking at it and it actually has two different types of hops. It's got boil hops and dry hop. So the boil hops are Columbus 
Simcoe, and Amarillo. And then the dry hops are Columbus, Simcoe, Amarillo, and Idaho 7. And, uh, see, that, that's when I just lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I ran out of words to read. Yeah, and I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm Ron Burgundy. But it says to us the U.S., the West Coast IPA is about straight down to the middle poser malt bill and hops, which brings lots of pine and citrus notes to create a dry, hoppy, and amaromic ale like no other. For the hops in 70 plus, we chose the classic Columbus and Simcoe hops for their pine-like contribution along with Amarillo for citrus and floral notes and the proprietary Idaho 7 for a new school tropical twist. That was old, is new, and 70 plus. But it's very smooth. I, I like it a lot. Definitely, I would definitely recommend it. May I send it to you guys or have it here if you guys ever come this way. I mean, it is Old Nation. I do absolutely love Old Nation. Yeah, you can't go wrong with an Old Nation beer. Like, I've had almost all of them, besides the strawberry one. So good. I know. I got to get it. Did can't you get a chance to try the dill one? No. Yeah, I missed that, too. It was just, I think it was just tap room only. Yeah. Strawberry one's pretty delicious. I love it. All right. I'm uh, going to run through this and just call out some people that that jump out uh first round derrick henry is still at the 104 we've talked about that and you know that may be being a little little high dalvin cook down at the 107 um deandre swift is up to the 109 Ooh, he's moving up um i if i still healthy, like it i'm not mad about it if he's healthy no. I, I don't see why he you're not dra- you're not drafting for that. his rushing ability you're drafting for his pass catching ability yep and that's these are ppr rankings as well and jamar chase down at the 108 with justin jefferson and cooper cup ahead of him i think i would honestly flip chase and cup cup here i don't see any reason for for chase to be four spots lower than jefferson and cup the odds of him repeating what he did um Stafford having some elbow concerns, I would just flip flop the two. Probably, I'll, I, I would actually also add Diggs to this list too. I think I, I personally think he's at like one. I'm going round by round. It should be Jefferson, Cup, Chase, and Diggs, and and then I guess you can throw Adams in there a little bit too. But the one twelve, how much they're going to throw? Um, yeah, you want it, those five wide receivers as you like your base. It should be a little closer, yeah. but the fact that you can maybe start, you know, Justin Jefferson it in the Stefan Diggs or Travis Kelsey or for a guy like, you know, Adams sliding. Yep. Uh, uh, Chase won't slide, but or you can hit that, you know, if you can hit that that high round two running or that that even mid to high low round two running backs there too. It's just it's so much fun the draft receiver in the first round. <laughs> I yes. love it. Debo Samuel all the way. It's so much fun to draft wide receiver every round. Just draft That's, a full team of wide is. receivers. <laughs> Just do it. Do yeah. it and have all the fun in the world. You won't win nothing, but you'll have fun. Uh, Debo Samuel up to the 207. That getting out of range for anybody? A little I bit. I think as long as he can repeat what he did last year with the rushing ability, because he finished as a wide receiver, too. Ooh, yeah. That was no, with the rushing no, ability. I want less rushing ability. I want more pass attempts. I want, or I want more oh, targets, less rushing. I, think I would take more targets because he, he was what? Was he a 1,400-yard receiver? I want to say. I mean, you look at what happened to him last year. Once I you started to get going again, that's that's what scares me. That's why, as Hopper pointed out, that's that's rich. We got to see what life could be like when I Ukes out of the doghouse and playing where he was out, you know, pass catching Samuel. 
I mean, Debo was still scoring rushing touchdowns, but he's been yeah. he's been kind of fragile since college. I don't want him taking the in between the tackles, you know, carries. That's we don't we should not want that. Receiving yards on Debo Samuel from week ten forward, fifteen, twelve, twenty two. 61 59 63 95 so not yeah. too bad those last four weeks it was scary though to be a Debo Samuel manager those three weeks where he was 20 yards or less receiving and you're relying on you know him to pick up those rushing touchdowns basically yeah. because he right. only had, you know it was a nice bonus on top that they did use him that way in the rushing game but you also had injuries to Elijah Mitchell that you know yeah. helped necessitate that so I want to. I I do think I love Debo Samuel. I've always loved Debo Samuel, but that yep. gets a little bit on the rich side for me for him. I think, especially when you're looking at, you know, Tyree Kill in that range, Mike Evans in that range, Pittman, uh, Keenan Allen, and AJ Brown, T Higgins. You have, have almost Debo. a full round of receivers that I would feel almost more comfortable. I'd feel drafting pre- over Debo. I'd feel comfortable with Debo down in that third round range with AJ yeah. Brown and T yeah. Higgins, probably yeah. high right. third, he's, not mid second. He's, he's, he's starting to fall down though because he was like a high second before. So he's already. I thought to he was coming up. I, I thought he was in the up. third round yeah. for the whole time. The last time we talked about him, he was down in the third. Was he? Yeah. Um, keeping it rolling. I, I still, I still take him as a two seven. I'd still be comfortable taking him there. Yeah. Keeping it rolling. Leonard Fournette's up the back end of the second now. That's fine. I don't have any issue with that. Yeah, but no. and there's Barkley. been there's been no there's been no word on him either. No, Saquon, the, offensive, the offensive line scares me with the like with the lack <laughs> they of keep it. Getting now. Hurts. They keep getting hurt. It's like hurts. Dallas of last year, man. That it's a little scary. I'll, I won't say that. Saquon Barkley's up to the two hundred six. That's still fine given the upside, but Dude, that's is, still too low. <laughs> <it's> not, <laughs> you oh, bump yeah. him up. Maybe don't do it because I want to take him and McCaffrey in a league. But, but it is a round improvement. So it is as it should be. He should be a first round pick. In my uh, Michael. Pittman, Keenan Allen, AJ Brown, all bottom of the third. I think that's okay. Some value there to be had. Actually, clumped up near that into the third round. Uh, rolling through this a little bit more. We talked about Travis Etienne already being up at the three eleven. DJ Moore at the four oh two. Low. I think that's good because he is yeah. going behind McLaurin, which I I think both of them might be. Maybe that's a bit rich, but then you look as Hopper would mention with the running backs. You look at who's going around them. Yeah, and, it, you know Eliza Mitchell, you know, Deontay Johnson, Elijah, George Kittle, Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, it, it gets to a point where it gets a little girl. I still, t- I still take TJ Moore out of that, uh, out of that whole group. I would not just because I believe in in Mayfield, but because DJ Moore is just that. I believe in DJ Moore as long if he can catch a couple more touchdowns, he's easily going to be up. You know, in that. Pittman yep. Allen type absolutely so wish he should <laughs> um going on we talked about Brees Hall Mike Williams is the 407 I have not liked and I think I'm the anomaly here I have not liked the Mike Williams ADP and the Jalen Waddle ADP all offseason elaborate I I, I I don't hate that here Dan's more responding because so, he already knows yeah I mean more so I mean, Waddle, I agree with who, like, it just Mike's role last year becoming just less of a vertical receiver, being more used as a, as a full route tree. I understand with the fourth round. I do agree that it's a bit rich, but 
I, I, I think they had more concerns with Mike Williams up in the fourth round than I do Waddle. Waddle. Well, that was where I was at. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm there with Mike Williams. Waddle, I think you and I are locked are locked step in. Yeah, I think I think the torch is being handed over from Keenan Allen to Mike Williams. I think this is the year. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe. I think they, he did break out last year, thankfully. Uh, well, started to. First I mean, week, I think it's a D wide receiver two or three. He got hurt. Had a slow stretch. His bounce back towards the end was a little inconsistent, but the slow stretches and the inconsistency are exactly what what scares me. And you know, Dan, you can attest. I've never liked that type of receiver. You've never, anyway. yeah, yes, absolutely. So no, no, I, I agree. I'm always completely more down on that type of wide receiver. I agree. He had a hot three week start, and then the disappearing act happened, and then, yeah, I mean, the disappearing act happened. Basically, you know, he he only he did only missed one game. So, I mean, he hit eleven hundred yards, nine touchdowns, but you know, that's the overall thing. It was all front loaded, though. His hot start really cared. It, it, it was. We just talked about him. It, it was kind of Debo like. You know, Debo had an extremely yeah. hot stretch. And then he got carried by touchdowns when the production, when the actual yardage production dipped. Both play, I I know both, I know both Debo and Mike battled with nagging injuries that didn't cost some time. But yeah, you could clearly and, tell that they weren't a hundred percent. But Mike, it, like like him and Debo are the same way. Like they both battle those type of injuries all throughout. the time, all the time. Yeah, all the Mike time. Williams yeah. has always battled that too. And you know, this is a a fifth year receiver, and I'm not saying that fifth year immediate breakouts can't happen but you've got you know one good season one year he kind of did it with yards but didn't have the touchdowns to back it up the other two seasons in 15 and 16 games he's been under you know 800 yards so you know yes with Justin Herbert I get why people like it I get why people like the upside the inconsistency is the reason that I'm not on that this is a guy that's had a tendency to not only deal with injuries throughout the season to help with that inconsistency to you know have some of that inconsistency but he doesn't you can't turn him into a runner like you can Debo and thank god yeah right <laughs> thank fucking god he be injured right away just oh, been god. times when Mike Williams flat out disappears and that flat out disappearing act is what I don't want to deal with because I don't want to try to guess when the stretch of blow when the blow up's going to happen it was the same way with Will Fuller right I don't want to try to guess when the blow-up's going to happen. And Deshaun Johnson, Jackson, I was just waiting on Deshaun, too. Don't want to guess when the blow-up's going to happen. I want some form of floor and not all upside, and I feel like Mike Williams is all upside without a lot of floor. Yeah, but look at his first four games. Week one, Las Vegas. Week two, at Kansas City. Week three, Jacksonville. Week four, at Houston. Okay. Mike Williams in shootouts. Again, he, thankfully he plays in the AFC West. And they have a tough schedule regardless. I think they play the NFC South or, or are the NFC, NFC? South. AFC, AFC South. So who, who's your NFC team this year, Ryan? Or I guess division. So, yeah. Uh, Just find a random NFC team he's playing. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's got uh, Seattle and, and San Francisco. So Arizona. at least he has. Favorable shootout schedules. He does yeah. have favorable you know, two... shootouts. And, you know, that's. Okay, and I agree, Mike Williams in. I I agree, Mike Williams in shootouts. You know, 
Um, his 41-22 game against Cincinnati was a blow-up. 32-35 against Vegas in Week 17 was a blow-up. But, you know, earlier in the year against Vegas, 28-14 win, he was one reception for 11 yards. I think he's going to start out hot, though. I mean, you got Vegas and Kansas City right off the bat. Sure. Uh, in Kansas City, he did go 7-9 for for 122 in one game, and then he was 3-9 uh, of nine for 49 in another one last year. That's what I mean by inconsistency. Even those you target that are like, bad defense are going to be shootouts, looking at when he played those teams last year, he had one really good game and one not, and another one that would have left you feeling a little disappointed. And that's the inconsistency. I'm not saying the upside in those games isn't there. It is. He's proven it is. But it's just as likely, based on last year, that the bottom falls out. I like, mean, there's, I mean, personal preference. I preference. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. It, right. It, most of the majority of the receivers that in that range, and even they're all relatively the same in that mindset. The, obviously, cost you know, starts to play a factor. I think Johnson and Fine. Waddle, if you don't want to draft Mike Williams, you can take Cortland Sutton in the fifth round. Johnson, Waddle, t- and Thomas all are the guys around him, and they all have more floor. Actually, I look at those three guys and I think of them as floor guys without having the ceiling that might. I would, does. I would just, I, I wouldn't say Deontay Johnson, Waddle, or Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas has been nagging now, nagging with hamstring injuries. Well, Michael I would, Thomas I would think at, at least sorry. equal, if not higher floor than all of them, just because of the offense plays it and what we got to see a little bit from, from now Herbert now entering your three. So, I get your gripes because I. I understand it hundred percent, and I look at the other you know players around that range, and a lot of it's in the same boat. You know, Terry McLaurin is going up, you know, half run ahead of him. McLaurin's worst offense, and it, it Mc... was bad last year too. And I think McLaurin <laughs> might be a little high too in that regard because sure, yeah. I got out. Of, well, you saw me; I got out of Terry McLaurin last year because you did. That started to happen. Um, you know, Deontay Johnson, the floor comes from double-digit targets. Jalen Waddle comes from he was being used on a lot of high-percentage throws. You got one season of that. Michael Thomas, more of a historical reference. He was always a high-floor guy Yes, before the injury. Yep. So. And now we get to see Michael Thomas post-Drew Brees, post-Sean Payton, run first offense. Yeah, Thankfully, there's not a lot of competition for targets instead of Chris Olave. Uh The fifth round is pretty fucking sweet. For wide receivers, <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will, I will definitely agree. You got Michael, uh, Michael Thomas. Brandon Cooks isn't a value anymore, which kind of makes me sad. Brandon Cooks oh, isn't yeah. a value anymore, but Allen Robinson in the fifth round, I feel like, could be a strong value. Chris Godwin, especially if he comes out week one at fifth round, could be a strong value. And I feel like Cortland Sutton in the fifth round is also a big, big ass value. I thought Sutton and Judy were were closer, not a round apart. They are around apart. Yeah, I know. I well, thought they were. I Judy thought and, Judy in most and, of the leagues I've seen him, Judy's been going ahead of him. Judy and Thielen are good values, too. This here is where I want to take my wide receiver two and three is in this stretch right here. So basically round, round you know, four Five is a tight end, maybe. Yeah. yeah then, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go quarterback single QB in this range. It's way too soon. Round four but, is who fell to me. And then I'm not going to feel great about it. That's fair. It's who fell to me. And then honestly, in round four. I'm probably reaching on a guy like uh, Robinson or Sutton or maybe even Thielen over some of the guys that are there just because of how I prefer to yep. draft. Yep. Um, you know, round four, though, I may be looking at, you know, there's also as much of a strong shot that I'm looking at, you know, Elijah Mitchell, Travis Etienne, somebody like that for yep. an RB3. 
Um, you could go tight end there too with Kittle and or your RB two, and you go wide receiver yeah. heavy early. You get your yep. running backs. There's a lot of ways you can spin it. A lot, but I lot want of to fun. Get one to two guys out oh, of this yeah. range though, all the way down to round seven where our clump is. That round four to seven range, I want two wide receivers out of that stretch. For quarterback, I'm likely going later. I think um, Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott in particular, uh, but also Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, all seventh round or later. So, <sighs> sorry, take another drink. Right. Jerry Judy down in the sixth round. Adam Thielen down in the sixth round. I like. I think they're both values there too. Um, Thielen figures to as long as he can stay healthy, he figures to get into a much more pass heavy offense. It's not like the productivity lacked, the health lacked. So Jerry, you know how much I love my Vikings receivers. So yeah, Jerry Judy um, slot receivers excel with Russell Wilson. It's always been that way. So. Um, and then yeah, we get we've beaten round seven, round eight to death over the last couple of weeks. But that clump of Amon Ra, Juju, um, you know, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore, Gabe Davis is all pretty much up a full round. Marquise Brown, uh, Hunter Renfro going round six, by the way. With I, I'm telling you, I have I have I've bought myself back into Hunter Renfro. Have you? That dude, the Raiders bad defense, elite. Elite fantasy schedule. We just talked about the Chargers. We did. Same division. Same schedules. You know, I'm just I'm just like just gonna let it out. He's a good he's a good wide receiver two three. Not not like you know fantasy wise, but in terms of his offense, like he plays a different role than than Adams and Weller. And I used to be out because just what it was, but now I, I look I've looked more into it and it's just like why not Renfro? Yeah. Um, the last guy in the top 10 rounds I'm looking at, because after this it gets a little ambiguous and yeah, I need to wrap this. Uh, yeah. The last guy I want to call out here is Christian Kirk. It, the 904. I like He's him a lot. He's moved up finally to uh, single digits. To single digits, guys. It took us all fucking up season, but we got there. <laughs> That's still a good value, though. Oh, God, I love it. So great value. Absolutely. Yeah, because it wasn't like the first two drives or whatever he was on. He was like targeted like eight times. Yeah. Eight targets, 55 yards. Eight. It was like eight targets, six receptions, 55 yards, and two drives. Yeah. And the Jags are going to be playing from behind all the freaking time. Yeah. Just chef's kiss. Freaking nuts. Give me all of that. All of it. All right. Anything else to call out? Anything else you guys want to discuss? Talk about. I want you to hit double digit rounds. It's kind of just. Once you get w, if you're building you depth pieces, grab your guys. You know, yeah. you hit, you hit preference. Uh, DK Metcalf all the way down around ten. Wow. wow, I don't know if I believe that. Someone, someone sent me, someone sent me a trade and down to see DK for AJ Brown, for my AJ Brown. I was like, bro, really? That's all you got? It's, really? The <laughs> fact that he, the, the, he's, hey, I will say this: Kenneth Walker is almost in the tenth round. Uh, I'm almost with you now. Yeah, for one more, one, one more slot away from accepting drafting <laughs> Kenneth Walker. DK Metcalf down in the tenth round, though. I'm like, I can't believe uh, yeah. he's still screaming up. So he produced with Geno Smith, guys. Right, like him and Gibson. Like I get the like, Sky Moore, Tyler Boyd. Like if anything happens to Chase or Higgins, My God, 
the range on DK Metcalf. Holy shit. And a 30 He went anywhere between round three and round 15. Oh, really? Yeah. If you're going to be in round 15, like, I want to be in that draft. I look at be... Gibson's. No, look at Gibson's range. <laughs> 305 to 1702. Jesus. Wow. Oh, my God. That's insane. Both. Yeah, I mean, this is still great range for that all just, sorts of things. That just jumped out at me, though. That's so I, that's fucking I insane. I DK Metcalf down here, and I'm like, what the hell is DK Metcalf doing next to Sky Moore and Tyler Boyd? George wow. Pickens has now surpassed uh, Chase Claypool in redraft ADP. Yeah. Both 12th round picks. The fact that Chase, I mean... I, I like myself from George Pickens, but that that coaching staff historically does not use rookies. So historically, is there anyone else down here that I like? Garrett Wilson all the way down at around fourteen. DJ oh, Chark, Ryan, I'll give you a shout out, DJ Chark. Oh yeah, fourteenth uh, round, no Jamison Williams. He's the clear beta alpha there. I clear, I like him a lot. Like to get him there at that that point, he's like a wide receiver five six he can get that could put produce wide receiver two three numbers. We've seen. I mean, unfortunately, he doesn't have you know Trevor. Or he's. I mean, he had Menchu and Nick Foles throwing him the football when he was producing wide receiver two numbers. Yeah, Jared Goff's better than both. Like I may dunk on him a bunch, but he's he's better than both. The fact that both uh, both Bucks receivers uh, Gage and Julio are fourteenth round, Jacoby Myers in the thirteenth hopper, a boy Jacoby getting disrespected. <laughs> Used to it. I know my boy KJ getting disrespected too, all the way down there in round sixteen. League winner potentially, if anything. KJ Isaiah McKenzie fifteenth. Yeah. Talked about McKenzie. Yep, that'll move up a little bit, but I can't imagine. Higher than 13th round. Osborne, as you said, disrespected. Yep. You know, Benjamin, why is he saying free agents? He should be the backup. No, he, he's not the backup. You know, Benjamin started with the starters the last two preseason. He games. should be. He's one injury away in a high profile offense. He's not even, he doesn't even need the injury to be flex no, productive. That's true. Though, that's yeah. It. Because, like last year, the Cardinals figured out the key to James Conner is you don't make him a bell cow. <laughs> that's that's also true. <laughs> go ahead and shove Eno Benjamin up there in single digit rounds. Now he knows the value. He won't go up to single digit rounds. And he won't move aware. up any higher and you now. Need to be though. aware of that. Oh. Yeah, he's someone that you uh you, you draft stash, draft and stash. Indeed. All right, that's the show. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Give you some uh, some predictions and have a little bit of fun. I'm at Beerfield Hop. I'm at Ryan Miner underscore FFB. Dan is at Beerfield Thurry. And we will see you guys next time. Next time? Next week? I had next some week? point misclicked and changed it back to the intro logo. <laughs> Love it. Don't know when I did that. Maybe it was when I thought. It may not have been that long ago. Maybe it was when I thought we were in the show. See ya. See ya. Bye.